Hello, Fresh, and welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast. Today is Thursday, February 15th, 2018, otherwise known as Singles Awareness Day, a day that, as we all know, was created to pay homage and bring awareness to the great early 90s romantic comedy Reality Bites. I'm Chris Salmoni, and with me as always are Mike Montgomery and Ben Ueda. What's up? Hey, couple single dudes. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you guys happy there's finally a day bringing awareness to your plight? Yeah, <laughs> our struggle. <laughs> feels, it feels good to be recognized, right? Yep, and appreciated. <laughs> what are you right. working on, Ben? You go first this time. I just uh, dusted myself off after about... Ooh, Six or seven straight hours of uh, grinding plywood with angle grinders. It's been pretty fun making like the whole shop is just covered in dust. It looks like it. It's like a snow apocalypse. And <laughs> there's just a very fine uh, pine plywood sawdust everywhere. Um, so I've been using both the big seven inch rigid angle grinder, which is super heavy, but really removes wood fast. And then the smaller sort of Ryobi uh, angle grinder and should finish up the last of the pedestal displays. Um, I posted uh, about them on Instagram, uh, sort of a sneak preview of what like four of them look and uh, pretty much done seeing, seeing them. There's a few more where the glue's drying and then probably a little bit more sanding on Tuesday. We were recording on a, on a Monday night. And then uh, should have them uh, all ready to be installed on Wednesday for a little opening party uh, or a little preview of the of the shop on uh, Thursday, the the day this uh, uh, episode's coming out. So it's been a sprint for the last twenty or so days, and you know it, it's interesting. It's it's a lot of hours of building, like way more than I'm normally doing, but. It's also kind of relaxing in a weird way to only focus on one project for like three straight weeks. Um, so there's less pulling from the, the periphery of my attention. And it's just kind of nice to wake up and be like, okay, the next 12 hours of my awareness is all directed at this one thing. And that's going to repeat day after day. So it's, it's been a, a long grind, but it's also been like oddly relaxing too. That's cool. So it seems like anytime you watch any kind of HGTV or DIY show, there's always the there's always the twist of like something going wrong or some terrible disaster. Has mm-hmm. that happened yet, or is everything smooth sailing so far? Um, I've gone through router bits for the CNC a little faster yeah. than I thought. Um, so, and I thought I could just go to Home Depot or a local woodworking store and pick them up. But it was kind of hard to find quarter-inch shank, quarter-inch cutting, just straight single flute router bits. Hmm. Um, everything was like double flute or like a spiral up cut, um, yeah. which also worked. But I found that, and if you're a CNC expert, you know, feel free to, to, to correct me and hit me up on, uh, on Instagram. But I found that when I was using the double flute uh, ones, they would tend to get bound up a little bit sometimes with the with like the sort of stringy pieces of, of, of sawdust and would, you know, then that, you know, once they were bound up, then they wouldn't cut cleanly and could throw the machine off a little bit. So yeah, findings, that was the one sort of setback was, you know, I've probably gone through about 30 of them 
And most of the stores that I found that had them in stock only had like two of them. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the two things I've bought out all the local woodworking and hardware stores is I've bought all the 40 grit flap discs that go on angle grinders. I've probably gone through 30 or 40 of them um, so far. Wow. So um, <laughs> typical Home Depots only keep, at least on the shelves, they only keep maybe like eight of them. Yep. So I'd go and just buy all of them, come back the next day. If they put some more back, buy more. Um, so <laughs> it's been like little things like that, that if I, you know, I don't want to say I could have planned a project better because the whole thing was just so fast. Uh, you know, they yeah. sort of said they, they weren't sure about it until they signed the lease. And then once they signed the lease, it was like, go. Mm. So there it was a lot of designing on the fly, a lot of uh, uh, making decisions on the fly. But it's it's surprisingly coming out really awesome. How's the video coming? It's interesting. It's very different than my normal stuff. My normal stuff, I'm probably videoing 60 to 70%. With this one, I'm making like, you know, 15 to 18 of those pedestals. I'm not going to video there, but it's all pretty much the same process. I videoed like one of them. And so there's a lot of work off off camera, which is, which is, which is actually easier because you can work without sort of wait, you know, thinking, Oh, is the battery out on the camera? Um, is the card full? All those kind of things. So it's kind of nice. Again, maybe that's probably the relaxing part. It's just building for the sake of building and, you know, not worrying about the camera all the time. Did you guys see the the pedestals on Instagram? I do. Yeah. They got a really yeah. cool shape to them. It's, it's more organic than I was expecting it to be. Yeah, I've gotten everything. They look like flowers. When they're upside down, people think they look like a duck's foot. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can kind of see that. <laughs> all acceptable answers, but they certainly look different. And in that all white space, I'm I'm pretty pumped with the, the finished aesthetic. I also went and purchased a whole bunch of air plants. Do you know what those are? Yes. Yeah, those are those like little, they, they, they're, they're more tendrily than a succulent. They kind of look like an alien plant that might live on like an asteroid a little bit yeah they kind of work that way too yeah and they're called air plants because they don't need soil uh you can just uh you have to spritz them with a spray bottle every once in a while but they pull nutrients out of the air and uh yeah they're they grow really slow but they look kind of cool and they're no maintenance so i got all this brass tube and i'm making these like geometric shapes to kind of hang them from the ceiling so there'll be these these hanging plants all over and uh, then these crazy uh, wood. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. It's a really cool project. Uh, I was kind of having my own router bit struggles this week. As you guys know, I'm working on that mirror for the Dwell Made series. It's a pretty simple project, but it made me realize the time that you lose every time you try and either use a new tool, a new process of making things, or just anytime you're trying something new, there's always that like time loss factor that I never tend to account for. So essentially what I'm doing is using two by eights to create a wooden octagon and then using the Rockler circle cutting jig that uses a plunge router to cut the circle out of that octagon. And it's great. The Rockler jig is awesome. It's super fast and really adjustable. You can cut circles with it, pure circles or ovals and ellipses. Quick tip, I used carpet tape to attach the router to the jig itself. That way I could pre-drill all of the holes and it wouldn't shift on me. That way when I came back with screws, everything stayed lined up really nice. Um, I ended up having to take a couple trips to 
first Harbor Freight because that's usually my first stop when I need something that I knew that I know I'm only going to use once and I needed a router bit to cut this circle out that was that was pretty long because I'm cutting through two by eights which are an inch and a half thick and Harbor Freight didn't have a bit nearly that long so my next stop is always Home Depot and they had some really nice I didn't know that Diablo made router bits I'm kind of familiar with them for circular saw blades and table saw blades but they make really good router bits, or at least really good looking router bits, but they just didn't have one that fit what what I needed. And it was ironic. I needed the exact same thing you did, Ben. I needed a quarter inch single flute straight bit. Um, I went in looking for either that or a spiral bit. And Woodcraft, they had both of them, but a spiral bit would have been 60 bucks, I want to say. And then just getting that single flute straight bit was only about 18 so I picked that up. It has a cutting surface of an inch and a half, so it was just long enough, and it worked out really cool. It's 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 really rewarding cutting a circle out of something because that's something that you know we're I think we're used to making things that are either square at a really specific like fifteen forty five degree angle, but having something that's totally round and totally different from any mm-hmm. other shape that we normally make, there's something really really satisfying about that. Yeah. Well, I can say, uh, man, thank God I did not route anything this week because <laughs> if uh, law of averages continued, it w- would have all gone awry on me. Yeah. R- routers have always been kind of a tricky thing for me. It's like, I think it's also because the speed is so high. I feel like, uh, or maybe it's just probably because I don't have that much familiarity with it. Um, but I do find that it's one of the, the tools where I have a lot of things go wrong, either yeah. with uh, bits you know, getting duller than I thought and then burning, uh, kickback or tear out or chipping. Um, it's probably something I need to do a little bit more research on and make sure I'm really matching the right speed of the router to the right bit type to the right material type. Yeah. It's one of those things that you use a circular saw on almost every project or use a table saw or miter saw. And so you get really comfortable and really used to using them. But a router is so specific that it seems like by the time I used it last and I'm using it now, that amount of time that's passed, I've pretty much forgotten most of the tips or tricks that I've kind of learned from the last project that I used it on. So Yeah, I think I think also compared to most other tools, they're just honestly a little bit unwieldy to most people. If you don't have a lot of time using it, you know, it's first off, it's kind of big. It could be top heavy. Sometimes, you know, hopefully you're not doing it, but you're trying to like balance it on something a little bit. Um, like Ben mentioned, it can kind of like grab onto things and kick back a little bit. Uh, you have more tendency to be freehanding something with it than you would with another kind of tool. So I think there's just like a lot of things that feed into it being, it is kind of like the scariest tool though. Don't, what do you guys think? It's so loud. Yeah. It's just, there's, it's like so loud and there's so much power in such a small, you can get a decent sized router and it's two horsepower. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, I mean, I don't know much about horsepower, but that's that's a really small container for two horses to fit into. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's how it works. <laughs> I think so, yeah. You can drive your car with that thing. Yeah, but it was kind of funny. I was basically doing the caveman version of CNCing today. Nice. Instead of using you know a CNC with all the gimbals and everything, I just had a, a quality jig to where the router was locked in place, and I was the one you know doing all the feeding. It made me think about CNCs for a minute because there was a really noticeable difference in cut quality from whenever I was rushing and trying to just get through a pass onto the next one because obviously I wasn't cutting an inch and a half thick, you know, in one pass. I took it 
probably in about five passes. And mm-hmm. I could really tell the difference from when I was taking my time. It was a really nice clean cut. But then there was just that threshold of pushing just fast enough that the wood started to try and chip out on me. Or whenever it would hit a hit a knot, if I was going too fast, it would really try and pull away from me or something like that. And so that really made me think about CNCs and how, you know, they must also be kind of tricky and maybe temperamental in the same way if you have the feed rate set the wrong speed. Yeah, I think that's why, like Ben has talked about it before, you know, if it's something where you don't need to be sitting there watching it the whole time, like there's no real reason to try to get aggressive with the feed rate, like just let it go at whatever the conservative parameters are and let it do its things. That way you have less likelihood of something like that happening. Yeah, I bet. Cool. Good tip. What are you working on, Chris? I am working on a baby dresser. Oh yeah. A second, I guess a third baby dresser. Cause I guess I did another one on the channel and then another one before I was on YouTube. Yeah. So remember we were talking a couple weeks ago about color. So I'm incorporating some color into this project the paint your wood challenge that's right (laughs) (laughs) that's right i was gonna go awry um no but remember i i think i mentioned it and i know we definitely talked about it off there about the like kind of 3m car wrap i don't know what is it vinyl or whatever stuff that people use and so i actually ordered a few little samples of that and just got like a made like a i don't know fake drawer front i guess and tried using that on it and it actually worked really well it's pretty easy to use. Like I would say it took me five or 10 minutes to apply it. And that was, you know, going slower than normal. Cause I was just kind of like playing around with it as I was doing it. So walk me through it. You basically lay it down on your surface and then do you have some kind of squeegee that you use or some kind of roller? Rubber squeegee. So it's basically you get, you know, it's an adhesive and it's got paper on the back. So you just kind of partially peel it back and get it started on one end and then just kind of roll it and, and, and peel away the the paper backing at the same time to get it down as flat as you can. It's got like kind of grooves in it where the, where the glue is so the air can escape. So you can squeegee it out pretty flat. If uh, you're trying to wrap it around a corner and like you mess it up or something, you can just get a little heat gun or a hairdryer and that'll loosen it up so you can do it. You know, you probably can't do it too many times, but like you definitely have a good, like three shots at it to get a a good edge on it. Um, yeah, I would have to imagine they had to give you quite a bit of like fudge factor because if you mess up even doing it on a flat surface, I can only imagine how tough it would be to be following the contours of a car or something like that. That's the thing. I think that it's designed for people to use on things that are really contoured. So if you're doing it yeah. on something like a drawer face, it's pretty easy. So cool. I definitely want to try that more on some other projects. But what I've found is that it's a lot harder to order than you would think. So like I got a few little samples off of Amazon um, you know, and it qualified for prime and everything, but that was really just to play with. And it's really small quantities. Um, but then, and, and there's also not nearly the selection of colors that you can find when you start going to places that specialize in this stuff. But when you buy it from the places that specialize in it, you have to buy it in like, I think the smallest increment they sell it in is like 15 inches wide and like 30 feet long. So oh, it's, wow. Yeah, it's big quantities that you have to buy it in. What does that go for? Um, I think that, I mean, it depends on which kind, but I think like probably around like 70 bucks would be like on the low end for a roll. Um, Then they have wider ones too. So I was actually looking at maybe getting some 24-inch wide ones just because I'd imagine that there would be some times that I would want to do something slightly wider than 15 inches and then I don't want to worry about like two seams meeting up or something like that. Even though it's made... I mean, I'm sure if you went and watched some videos on people doing car wraps, there's like really easy ways to hide the seams. There has to be because 
Well, actually, you know what? I take that back. That might not be the case because they probably hide all the seams and creases in like the different parts of the of different parts of the body and stuff. But I don't know. I don't know about all that. So I'm going to eventually do it. And I've been talking to a place to like get some samples and eventually order some. But for this one, I decided I'm going to try painting again and I'm going to just try the whole MDF paint thing. So Mike's given me a couple tips on like good ways to... I don't know, I guess treat the edges. Yeah. Treat the edges. Um, I've watched a couple other videos, so I think I feel pretty good going into it. Um, it'll just be interesting to see how it comes out. And it's a a lot cheaper of an option, especially if you're not doing like really large scale things or mass producing something. If you're just wanting to build one of something, it's going to be a lot cheaper to use paint and MDF. Um, so yeah, I'm going to give that a shot. So I started building the dresser this weekend. So far I have like the whole case put together and the drawer boxes in and then two of the drawer fronts, which are going to be made out of wood. And then I'm going to do the door in one color and then the other two drawers in another color. So I just got to go buy some MDF and get to painting. I'm going to hopefully do that over the, over the evenings this week. Sweet. I'm excited to see that because I, you know, from the moment you first mentioned that idea, uh, it just resonated with me. And I was like, oh, that's something I want to try. And I'm also really excited that you're going to experiment with it. And we get the benefit of uh, learning from whatever mishaps you have. That's right. And there will be plenty. <laughs> hey, everybody. This week's episode of the Modern Maker Podcast is sponsored by HelloFresh. HelloFresh is the ultimate meal delivery service. It's awesome. You pick the days that are most convenient for you, and all of your ingredients come in pre-measured, handy, labeled meal kits delivered right to your door in recyclable, insulated packaging. You get all the joys of making delicious home-cooked meals with fresh, high-quality ingredients without the headaches of meal planning or grocery shopping. Plus, you won't spend all night in the kitchen because recipes only take about 30 minutes to make. HelloFresh offers a wide variety of chef-curated recipes that change weekly, and they offer three plans to choose from. The classic, which is what I got, a healthy mix of meat, fish, and seasonal produce, veggie for all you animal lovers out there, or should I say plant lovers, and the family plan, which feature kid-tested recipes made specifically with families in mind. So you guys know, a few months back, I changed my diet pretty drastically to get healthier and in a little bit better shape. And cooking my own meals was a big part of that. So I was really excited to try out HelloFresh for myself. I chose the classic meal kit, and all three dinners were delicious, especially the balsamic fig chicken. The chicken itself was organic and really delicious, but I also found out I like sweet potatoes. Who knew? And for all you interested, HelloFresh is offering our listeners a great deal. All you have to do is go to HelloFresh.com and use the code MODERN30 to get $30 off your first week of meals. Once again, that's HelloFresh.com, promo code MODERN30, to get $30 off your first week of meals. Which transitions us to our topic for this evening, which is how we learn. Um, And it was funny, I saw a... Uh, an Instagram post uh, and a tweet from Jimmy Duresta, our buddy. What's up, Jimmy? And someone was cr- sort of, not cr- or maybe offering a critique, saying that that uh, the fast videos that with the sped up footage that Jimmy makes or that I make are people just showing off and not teaching. And mm-hmm. you know, Jimmy made a, a, a point that I sort of also agree with that you know that methodology is something that he finds useful for learning. And for me, it was this sort of the same thing. I, I've sort of stopped, you know created my videos based on the way that I like to to learn things. 
So I thought that that would be an interesting topic about how we just go about becoming familiar with a technique, a process, a tool, or some area of knowledge that we are unfamiliar with. Uh, so for example, what I really like about this podcast and the the sort of greater sort of community of makers that we're all part of uh, is that we get to learn from each other. So I've seen those sort of vinyl wrapped cars before. I thought that it had a really interesting aesthetic quality to it. I had loosely wondered whether it could be applied to other materials and but never really pulled the trigger or took active steps to plan out a project around it. So one of the nice things about being involved in a community like this is now Chris is going to take that on and I'll get to sort of learn from Chris's things, both in our uh, sort of casual conversations, through our podcast sort of conversations, and then also from watching his videos. And that's a great example of how I sort of learn is that it'll come up in conversation. I'll see a visual reference of Chris doing a demo of it, and then I'll have links or just know where to start with in terms of the materials and I can start my own experiments with it yeah i think for me in general so just to start with a real general in the way i learn or the way that i don't learn which i feel like i'm like missing a gene or something that i am a terrible learner or like visualizer of anything that i hear audibly no like when people i i feel like even on the podcast sometimes when like we'll be talking about a problem and you're describing it i have such a hard time picturing what it is and I've always been that way. I think I'm just a visual learner. I mean, visual is obviously the best is hands-on. So like if you can be with somebody and that knows how to do it and just like, okay, what do I do? And then they just show you one time. It's like, cool, got it. And now you're off and running and you know you can kind of adapt and find ways to improve on what you're doing. But just having that baseline is awesome. And so obviously that's not realistic in most cases. So I think visual is like so beneficial like even if there's no so to go back to ben's original point of like sped up video and you know maybe not going into as much detail about things i think that's even fine because the the bulk of the way i learn is just i need to see somebody do it like i will take a sped up 10 second clip of somebody doing it over 15 paragraphs of how to do it which i will not digest or understand at all it's actually one thing that i thought about when you first mentioned that comment was um the idea that like there's a I don't know, what's the right word? Like a requirement that we're supposed to teach? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it was who, who cares what random anonymous internet person says. Uh, but I thought it was still interesting and in that uh, what, what I, you know, is that the, the idea that there was this binary mm-hmm. factual thing that if it's a fast yeah, video, it's this. And if it's a slow <laughs> video, then it's teaching, right? It's ridiculous that anybody would say that there's those things because – you know, and, and that's what made me think of this sort of topic of, of sort of how we learn, you know, e- even just contrasting like me and my dad, my dad is like one of those read the instructions, spend oh, forever yeah. preparing, have everything all laid out and be like fairly organized once he's sort of building it. with me. It's like glance at the instructions, just start putting stuff together, refer back to the instructions when I get stuck. There's definitely a downside to that, though. And that was that was my situation with this with this circle cutting jig is if I took the 20 minutes to do a little bit of research or even just watch a good instructional video of of someone using a router circle jig, I would have known probably what bit to use, um, what router would have worked best. And you know what I mean? Maybe a couple of good tips for laying everything out so everything stayed square. 
But I was just like, you know, I got the jig and I just walked out to the shop and I was like, okay, let's figure it out. Well, I realized I don't have a plunge router and that helps a lot. So I'm like, okay, crap. Now I got to go to the store real fast. And then I came back and then I realized, oh man, none of my router bits are really the router bit that I should be using. And I'm making a video for it. So I feel like I should do the responsible thing and make sure I go and get the right, right bit. So then that was another trip to the store or a trip to three stores. And then I came back and I was able to do everything. But if I was like your dad, I probably could have saved a little bit of time and frustration, you know? Well, but but I would say project by project, right? For, for that particular case, yes. But think of all the times, if, if that's systematically the thing you're always doing, you're also risking spending time reading instructions that you don't need to read or that might be written from a a liability perspective, mm. not a getting the tool operationally right. sort of. And I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, if, if you ever read like uh, instruction manuals, have you ever read them? <laughs> All the time, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're, they're not that clear. And it's not because the people making them are dumb or trying to make it convoluted. They're often heavily reviewed by a legal department and trying to remove liability is probably one of the main functions of that document. You know, whereas like YouTube videos are often, you know, trying to show you the quickest way to sort of get started and to do something, but not necessarily the most technically uh, correct way of doing things. So, you know, there is the liability of, if let's say you have 20 things to do every week and you spend two hours reading instruction manuals and laying everything out and you only really needed to do that for 10 of the, or for, for five of the things, the other 15, you know, projects you wasted 30 hours right there so that that's something to sort of factor in into it as well i think it's the uh what you sort of described though mike uh what i what i sort of do is sort of a hybrid is as soon as i get like a an idea for a project i almost like try to start it even before i want to start it just so i sort of see what i'm missing from a material standpoint so let's say i was going to do like the vinyl thing i'd probably order the vinyl when that gets here way before I plan on trying to start the project. Then I would try to say, okay, going to do a t- quick test piece. And then I would use that as a way to sort of figure out the other things I don't have and need. Almost like a, like, you know, when I plan out my my calendar for projects, I try to sort of have like almost like a false start as early as I possibly can. And then hopefully try to schedule the start time of the project like a week or two later so that there's a, uh, so in that dress rehearsal, so to speak, I'm sort of seeing the the things that are missing from my tool library or uh, whatever sort of ancillary materials, adhesives, et cetera, that I need. You know, I'll quickly mention something at the risk of embarrassing myself. <laughs> Not that I don't do that every week, but um, a, like, a, I don't know, probably a month ago, <laughs> I was at Costco and we bought these windshield wipers for our cars. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll put them on. I looked at those instructions for like 15 minutes and could not figure out how to attach these things to my car until finally I was just like, let me look at a YouTube video. And I like watched one clip. I was like, oh, got it. Went out and did it. Yeah. Well, so what I was thinking at the time was like, it's crazy that I cannot follow these basic instructions that like, you know, I'm sure most people would be able to follow these things and get what they're talking about. But I can't do that. But like, you know, I can design things out of whole cloth essentially and come up with my own solutions for them. I wonder is there any is that a consistent thing that is seen throughout human behavior where like 
Is there something that makes you good at figuring out your own way of doing it that translates into also being bad at following directions? Or is that just me? I think that's just you. No, that's just me. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think it's a skill set. I think it's a, it's a value system is what's leading to that. It's, it's the way you sort of value and prioritize your time. Um, and I'm not saying that there's a better way or a worse way. It's sort of a philosophical outlook, I think, towards towards the, the resource of time. And what you're doing is you're sort of betting on that you're going to get it right more likely than not sort of on your own and to therefore to just sort of jump in and, and, and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it also... Uh, deal uh, has to do with your expectations for uh, precision, for sort of rule adherence, and whether or not you sort of associate uh, an expected outcome as the most valuable outcome. So for me, it's, uh, I have this sort of antagonistic uh, relationship towards things that I think are visually mundane or boring, even if they're well-crafted. So because of that, I think that creates sort of an, so that's sort of a a design, not philosophy, but sort of a, an outlook that I consistently have is that I don't care how meticulously carved your cuckoo clock is if I think it's just kind of boring and like all the other cuckoo clocks. Like that that sort of meticulous execution of something I find uninspiring, that, you know, all that craftsmanship to me doesn't make the project any more interesting for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that really parallels what you were talking about with someone criticizing uh, Jimmy Duresta's videos is the value that I see in his videos and the value I see in a lot of people's videos, yours, Chris, um, a lot of people on YouTube is I watch for creative inspiration. I'm not necessarily watching to figure out how I can better use my table saw or how I can better use a specific jig. Right. And one thing that comes to mind for me is whenever I was building my workbench last week or the week before... Mm-hmm. I was wanting to attach the base to the tabletop itself. And I knew I needed to take wood movement into account and I knew I needed to do all of that proper. And yes, I wanted to include that in my video and I'm sure most workbench videos also include that information in theirs, but I didn't go and watch a 12 minute video about building a workbench. I just Googled and found a video about wood movement. Mm-hmm. And so that's what that's the beauty of... I think the whole online community that we have is we have people that are really, really good at making instructional content. Uh, Brad Rodriguez just put out a video that I found really helpful about tuning up your planer. Mine needed it. I needed to change the blades on it. The bed was not perfectly parallel to the blades. And so I watched his videos. I went out to my shop. I spent 45 minutes and I got my planer running a lot better than it was before. That's great. And I really appreciate that. Not to say that Brad doesn't do creative things well. But what I am trying to say is there's resources out there to tell you everything. You can Google to the most specific detail and probably find a YouTube video for it. And so when I'm watching Jimmy's videos or when I'm watching Chris, when I'm watching your videos, I I want to see creativity. I'm not there to learn the how-tos. I'm trying to understand more what's going on mentally and creatively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, w- w- one of the examples that comes to mind is one of my favorite of uh, Jimmy Duresta's videos is the bar cart he made where he makes part of the like the handle for the cart by cutting wrenches and sort of welding them on. Um, mm. And for me, I don't need to watch a video to learn how to cut a wrench. I need to watch a video that exposes me to the idea 
that a tool could be a found object that could become part of a project, that it could be a material. So yeah. that was what I learned is that as a possibility that made me look like I remember watching that video and then I, I looked around my shop. I was thinking, huh. And I started looking at the tools differently. So it wasn't instructions telling my hands what to do. It was more inspiration and instruction telling my mind that things that use rules that you had previously conceived of as wrenches are just for twisting and untightening and tightening things rather than a wrench is just a piece of metal with an interesting shape. And uh, you can get a lot of them at thrift stores or on Craigslist for really cheap. So maybe you can treat them as a found object that actually becomes part of the project. But it also has to be some sort of mental state that you're in. You have to be looking at things, trying to learn from them and try and take more away from than what's just at face value. And I'm going to assume that random internet commenter was probably looking at things in a pretty square way and wasn't necessarily looking for creative inspiration the same way you are, Ben. And I think there's a huge takeaway from that. It's the same way, I mean, you've talked about it and I've talked about it. Uh, and it's helped me out is just like walking around Home Depot and trying to find random interesting items that could be incorporated in projects in a non-traditional way. You know, it doesn't have to be at Home Depot. That was just the example that you used and the one that worked for me. But it's just like looking at things and how can how can you learn from something in the way that it wasn't necessarily intended to be learned from, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that I can think of there is... It was the fusion of two ideas. And this is one thing that makes me really, really excited is whenever I can combine two sources of inspiration to come up with one thing that I think is unique. And it just so happens to involve Ben, you, and uh, and Jimmy, the two people we've been talking about. Uh, ben, whenever you did the molten metal into that reclaimed, mm. uh, I think it was Douglas fir, that big beam that you had that you poured the molten metal into. Yeah. I thought that was really cool just as a process. It was something that I didn't think was as approachable as it was. You know, I thought you had to have some kind of crazy way of melting metal and you had to get it stupid hot. I wasn't aware that you could get that kind of bismuth blend that had a really low melting temperature. And it couldn't have been more than three weeks after you put that video out. Jimmy put out a video where he took a live edge slab, removed the bark from it, and then essentially replaced the bark with about an inch yeah. thick of steel all the way yeah. around that. That was awesome. And whenever I saw those two videos, the way I naturally took it, which I haven't done, it's something that I want to do, it's just kind of finding finding the right piece of wood for it, is I want to take a hollowed out stump and try and use that same metal bin that you used, but instead of taking away the bark and replacing that with metal, with this, I want that hollowed out stump, I want that void uh. in the center to be full of metal. And then you can sand it all super flush, and it'll just be like a metal lake inside the middle of that table. Mm-hmm. And you know that's one of those things where if I was only looking at instructional content, I probably wouldn't have found your video bin, and I probably wouldn't have found Jimmy's video. Got to find that hollow stump. Exactly, I know. <laughs> I found one. I'm waiting for it to get dry now. I've had it for about six months, three months, somewhere mm. in there. Nice. I, I like hearing you say what you said a couple of minutes ago about that you watch my videos and more than like trying, you know, learning and picking up a technique. It's more like picking up inspiration. Yeah. Because that's always the way that I've kind of seen my videos too is like, you know, hopefully you can pick up a tip here or there if you're a beginner you know, there's some value there, but the bulk of it is really just like entertainment and hopefully inspiration, um, for people to go either build something similar, something different, you know, whatever they want to do with 
with whatever inspiration they get. Mm-hmm. Um, and that actually brings up something that I had been thinking about this week. And that's that. So as I said, I'm building a baby dresser and it's, it's actually really similar to the baby dresser that I built for my friends, like, I don't know what, a year and a half ago. Um, and so if my videos were purely educational, there's no way I could make a second baby dresser almost the same because I can't, there's no reason to teach somebody the same thing twice when they can just go watch the video, you know, an unlimited number of times and keep learning it if it was an instructional video. But you can inspire somebody twice or more than (laughs) twice, you know, they can find something different that's, you know, maybe it's just the way that the video is produced differently or I I highlight, you know, this one's going to have color incorporated in and and the base is going to be different. And so, you know, there's like little things like that that could be totally new to somebody or, or, you know, even though the project is 90% similar the whatever they take away from it could be completely different. And I also think that, like I talked about a couple of weeks ago, how something that I would like to do in the long term is to actually do more educational style videos or like, you know, kind of like video plans, basically. And so th- I think there's a lot of opportunity for me to do that out there. And that if I were to do that, it would be vastly different from what I'm already doing. Yeah, well, that's an interesting thing because I I do my best to try and toe the line and really ride the fence between just kind of showing my creative process and trying to and trying to build something unique and then also be educational. I try and try my best to really toe that line. And I'm kind of curious, Ben, where do you fall in there? Because I know you're kind of on the on a similar plane. Yeah, it's like (laughs) for me, it's like traditional instruction in terms of this is how you do this. I need in very isolated doses for at the most like learning how to do one technique. So let's say I was going to make a baby dresser uh, and Mm -hmm. I'm assuming you mean not made out of babies, but for babies. Um, (laughs) Nope. It's made of babies. (laughs) You know, I, I wouldn't look for instructions for a dresser. I would look for instructions for maybe how to do dovetail, uh, connections for the drawers. Mm -hmm. So I might, and then I might look at a whole bunch of different inspirations, totally separate from dressers, totally separate from babies, uh, for the overall design idea for the thing. So there'd be two parts, maybe. I might need really highlighted instructions, but I don't need them for the whole dresser. I just need it for that one part right. that I want to sort of uh, do a little bit of research for. So that's why like, when I like sort of informational, you know, step-by-step instructions, I normally like it isolated to an individual process more than a project because then I'm getting it sort of its undiluted neutral state that I can then modify to the specifics of my project. When you're trying to sort of take specific instructions for one project and apply it to a totally different type of project, sometimes you are not sure if some of the the individual specificities for that step were specific to the context of that project and don't apply to yours. Um, we say inspiration a lot, but I think in some ways, a lot of the way that it, that that process actually functions for me, it's more giving me permission, it, which is sort of a weird way because normally I wouldn't cut any of my wrenches in half. I see Jimmy <laughs> do it. And I'm like, wait, that could be really cool. And it's not so much that like I'm inspired that suddenly I feel like all tools should be cut in half. But, <laughs> but when you see the outcome and the, you, when you see the unexpected decision and then you see the outcome it's the, the, the change in my mindset is, is more of one of saying like, huh, well, I now have given myself 
as I'm conceiving a design, I'm giving myself permission right. to take those kind of steps, right? I'm removing an, in, an invisible law that was somehow there that I wasn't even aware of, uh, which is very different from like a sort of epiphany inspiration where you're like walking along, you know, the, the sunset on a cliff and you're like, wow, life is so amazing. That's it. I'm going to devote my whole life to this, right? Uh, it's, it's, it's a much more specific uh, confined and uh, 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 sort of way of thinking about specific things type of inspiration. Yeah, it's funny when actually when you said that, because I always think the using the word inspiration just kind of feels funny, like, oh, I hope that I inspire people. It sounds like, I don't know, you're making too much of yourself. I almost think of it in like a broader sense than than uh, like uh, than what Ben was just describing. So maybe it's like motivation is the word that I'm looking for. So what I would hope or what I have gotten from other things that I hope some people um, feel what they feel after watching one of my videos, you know, if they're in the right frame of mind, is that like not even necessarily like, oh, that's such a cool idea. I want to do something that incorporates that idea and make it my own. Like I just would be happy if it's just like, hey, man, building stuff looks awesome. I want to go build something. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. It's it's the idea of just and I say it all the time. It's lowering the barrier to entry. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just like making it to where, oh, it's not that complicated. You know what I mean? is I think there's like the two levels and we talk about kind of that quite a bit is someone will find, you know, someone like Ben's videos where it's not as complicated tools, but you're still getting a really big payoff for the amount of investment in whether it's time or tools and be like, wow, just making things in general. I had no idea you could do it as simple. And then you do that for a little while and you kind of get aspirations to want to do bigger projects. But that seems really intimidating. You watch, I mean, I love Mark Spagnolo. He's a great guy. I don't know if I love him. I don't know him that well. It's almost Valentine's. Oh, no. Yesterday was Valentine's Day. <laughs> but you see someone like him and it's like, wow, okay, that's a little bit much. You know what I mean? But Chris, it, I feel like you're in that perfect middle ground where you're not using the circular saw. You're not using the job site saw. You know, you've got a good cabinet table saw. You're using a joiner, but you're still in a garage. You're still using plywood. When you are using hardwood, it's still like simple materials and, and you've just kind of the same way I was talking about how like I try and toe the line between entertainment and instruction. You've towed the line between good advanced design. High end and low and end. And low end. Yeah. You, you're, you're right in that middle <laughs> ground, like almost perfectly. I'm riding the yeah. wave, baby. Riding the wave of mediocrity. <laughs> well, no, I think you're just riding a different wave than anybody else. And I think that's like part of your success. Well, I think that also speaks to where the, the sort of context of where you're at and what the kind of stuff you're currently making, too. Like, so it's not that, you know, if I may be so bold, it's probably not that you you necessarily uh, believe that, you know, that's the best way to do it. But what I would sort of guess the reason why that that what Chris is doing is sort of a, a level of physical refinement that still just one step removed from what you're doing, Mike. Right. So you're probably connecting to it because of its its difference, but still proximity to what you're doing. Whereas like uh, uh, what Mark's doing might be a little bit step removed from what Chris is doing. Exactly. So yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's it's not about you know what we think is the best instructional content. It's what we sort of get connected to is probably not so much a, 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 of a statement about what the the content we're we're watching is like 
it's much more of a statement of where we're at. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for for me, uh, you know, I often get more inspiration out of, uh, you know, installation art and things like that, or some sort of natural rock formation than necessarily uh, watching Chris's videos. But when I watch Chris's video, I get ideas for very specific uh, uh, refinements off of the making skills that I'm doing. But that's the way it is right now. That could change in a year if I'm if I'm experimenting with different things. So, and that and, and that's why just in general, uh, you know, don't be that that asshole that like <laughs> that definitively states something relative to your own look because of your opinion based on your local condition, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's like it's so weird that people state these things definitively instead of preferencing them as well i find this less useful for me than this that's right. totally fine i totally get those types of criticism but when people sort of stay universally anyone that does this is doing this dude shut up you're stupid exactly and that's the beauty of the internet is if if you don't like pocket holds and stuff well then just don't watch my channel there's there's plenty of channels that don't use pocket holes or if you don't like this there's another channel that doesn't do it so you can find, you know, you find what connects to you and that's what's awesome. And that's what's great about the fact that, you know, there are the Steve Ramseys that are making stuff for the beginners kind of specifically. And then there are the people, you know, like Mark, who are, who are, you know, they're the ones that are like, wow, this is what happens when you really devote 15 years of your life to trying to perfect something. Yeah. One of my favorite uh, videos from Mark is one that I've mentioned before, but it was just on finishes. And yeah. it, was, it was doing exactly what I described earlier. He isolated this thing and he test, he thoroughly tested all these different finishes and explained them in depth, showed them up close, applied them to different. That was so useful. There was, there was no project involved, but it, he so thoroughly answered one question that was sort of lurking in the back of my mind about which sort of finishes to, to buy and that piece of content serves so much utility in such an entirely different way than watching uh, Jimmy's bar cart video. Yeah. So there's room for all the types. They're all useful. Uh, it's. I think the question is, is just how you curate for yourself to give yourself the right type of content that is for at the right stage of whatever problem solving you're going through with a particular project. Yeah, and I think that could be a cool episode one day. Maybe whether it's for YouTube or maybe it's more for Instagram or whatever social media it is. Maybe kind of talking about and highlighting who we like and why we like watching them, whether that's if they just have a really good Instagram feed that we're learning from or inspired from or the same thing with their YouTube videos. But regardless, um, the people we've been talking about today, I'll link their channels, their YouTube channels in the show notes or the description of this podcast episode. So if you're not already watching them or if you haven't, you know, given them the chance at least to earn your subscri- subscription, make sure and go check them out. Also, the HelloFresh link is in the in the description there too. So make sure you click that because we're trying to we're trying to continue having sponsors and that helps us. Get your fresh on. Exactly. <laughs> awesome, Chris. Do yeah. we have a hypothetical this week? We do. We had uh, somebody wrote one into us. Sweet. So this comes in from Bruno0919 on Instagram says, if you could go back in time and give yourself 
a massage. Oh wait, no, man. Ooh. Hang on one second. A message. A message. <laughs> a message. Sorry, I misread. I misread that. Okay, if you could well, go back. if you were giving yourself a massage, you would know all the right spots. You That's know? right, Vic. I know I carry my <laughs> tension in the lower. I don't know. I don't know any parts of the back. All right. So if you could go back in time and give yourself a message, but it could only be two words, what would you say? You guys got any ideas? Be positive. Be positive. I would do Netflix stock, and then I'd just wink at myself. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but no, choice. if it had to be, let's say that it couldn't be like investment related. I, I would just say sleep more. Say what? S'more? Sleep more. Oh, I thought sleep you said more. s'mores. I thought you said s'mores too. <laughs> Not gonna lie. I, I think. Uh, I guess I gotta go camping. I think the marshmallow part of s'mores totally overrated. Better is just graham crackers and chocolate. So, yeah, get the get that marshmallow. I feel like junk we talked about this before. I know. We have. We have. <laughs> we're, we're always talking s'mores on this. No, I think. Okay. All right. I, hang on, real quick, before you go, Chris. Well, I still have a serious answer to conclude to this. Well, I I gotta get some s'mores talk out of the way. Okay, real do fast. it. Do it. My my grandma ordered. You know how you? I don't know where she gets them from. It's probably like HSN or QVC because she still watches that. But it's just like uh-huh. a giant box of chocolates, just uh-huh. assorted chocolates, turtles, and all kinds of stuff. You name well, it. Well, they had marshmallows coated in chocolate. Yeah, I've seen those. Well, listen here. You get yourself a graham cracker, and then you just put that in the <laughs> middle of it, and then you just got to toss it in the microwave, like 10 seconds, and you've got a s'more. It's already done. All the work. No mess. <laughs> Innovative. It's already done for you. Yeah. yeah what so. do they think of next? <sighs> I don't, I don't think there's anywhere to go up from there, so I don't we've know. Peaked as, <laughs> we've peaked as a species now. Yeah. All right. Two words, All right, Chris. humanity, it's all downhill from here. Two words. Right, okay. My two words, If I, they were a serious two words, so not the Netflix talk. I would say woodworking videos because <laughs> this is something I wanted to do a long time ago, and it would have got me to do it quicker, and then who knows where I would have been. Well, maybe the right word would be like just do it, Nike. You could have had that. That could be it. I would have invested in Nike. That wouldn't have been bad either. And it's three words. Yeah, that's true. Or just do it. (laughs) Do it. (laughs) Done. I feel like woodworking videos would be more specific to a, uh, I don't know, a 29-year-old Chris Salamone. Yeah. But you think that would be something that overall what would have benefited you in life is to be more, uh, to act on on your intuition like more quickly? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I would have, I mean, I'm doing this now and I'm loving it. So I would have just been loving it sooner and would have been further along in it. Yeah. I hear you. But I'm enjoying the journey. Got to enjoy the journey. There you go. Or life's a garden. Dig it. (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. All right. What are you guys obsessed with? We haven't done it in a while, so we should have some obsession. So one for me is another video game that came out last week. Shadow of the Colossus. So it's actually a re-release of a game that I loved back in, oh, it probably originally came out in like, I don't know, 2004, something like that. It was for PlayStation 2. And so one of my favorite games ever is this game called Ico, and then Shadow of the Colossus is kind of like a prequel to it. Mm-hmm. And they're both these really beautiful, atmospheric, kind of open world puzzle games is how I would describe them. And so this now it's remastered for PlayStation 4. So obviously it looks a lot cooler than it did, I don't know, 16 years ago or however long ago it was that I was originally playing it. Um, But yeah, it's just like really cool, really beautiful to look at. If you like kind of like puzzle type stuff, check it out. Shadow of the the Colossus. 
I am obsessed with, uh, and this is a, a recommendation from a friend that I then sort of got into a, a wormhole Googling around on, is just search Eastern European concrete monuments. Uh, hmm. There's these whole collections of these crazy, uh, very brutalist looking concrete shapes that have no particular you know function other than just being awesome monuments and uh uh you know they're kind of all those over sort of the the eastern sort of uh northeastern sort of parts of europe um so if you want to just uh search for that uh enjoy uh, a whole bunch of cool visual forms that often look like transformers made out of concrete <laughs> That's awesome. I'm just going to go with the uh, I'm going to I'm going to shout out a couple things. I'm going to have a project that incorporates a lathe in the near future. And I was probably 12 years old. It was in middle school that I took woodshop class. And I remember my the funnest part of it for me was lathing. I, I turned a couple pins, a couple of balls, nothing complicated, but I just remember it being so fun. And since then, I've wanted the lathe, but I'm the type of person well, I'm not going to say that particularly, but I've tried to be methodical in how I acquire and use new tools. Um, I don't want to get a bunch of tools that are going to sit around. So for instance, it took me a long time to buy a bandsaw. It took me a long time to buy uh, a new table saw. It took me a long time to upgrade tools because, or just to acquire new tools for new tasks. And I think that's just because right now I'm learning things at a really high rate, and I think my just general design sense is improving at a pretty high rate without new things. Mm-hmm. And so I don't really see the the returns for you know spending a bunch of money on a lathe or spending a bunch of money on a CNC right now for me. It's something that I want. You know, I want to get a CNC probably in about six months. But right now, I'm still progressing at a fast enough rate that I don't think the returns are there for me. But I'm getting a lathe, and it's something that I've wanted for a really long time. And so I just wanted to shout out a couple people that have cool lathe projects. And one is going to be Bruce Ulrich. He just got done making a scratch-all. Super simple project, but it gave me some kind of confidence for the lathe. He used all carbide tools, which are what I'm going to be using. Um, So watch his YouTube video, Bruce A. Ulrich. He's got a bunch of different projects. He's really big in the community. Uh, big like supporter, so make sure and check out his channel. The and then the second one is Ashley G Harwood. Um, she is a full time wood turner. I think she's based out of the Northwest somewhere. But I just followed her account. Um, I found her through Anne of All Trades. Um, they just recently did some kind of collaboration or something or another together. But she makes really incredible uh, pieces on the lathe. I think that's pretty much her full time gig. And she does a lot of Instagram lives. So essentially, she'll just get her blank ready, prepped on the lathe. And then once right before she starts, she'll flip it on live. And you can I haven't gotten the chance to sit down and watch an entire one all the way through just because I tend to catch them like 30 minutes in or something like that. But it but she'll just basically do the entire project live. And so you can just follow along while she's doing it. And I think, Chris, you said it earlier is like that's the best way to learn is for someone to be in front of you doing it. If you have a question, you can ask and vice versa. That's maybe the closest thing you can get to that on the internet is just literally watching someone do it in real time. They'll also be in the description of the podcast. Check them out. Cool. You want to take us home? 
I do. Let me catch my breath. Whew. I was talking for a second Whew. there. No. Yeah, you were. So thank you guys for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I had a lot of fun on this episode. I feel like I learned a lot. Or at least it was entertaining. So That's how you learn. Make sure, give us a review on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Uh, we really appreciate it. Like always, it just lets the podcast app know that we're a good podcast. If you want to follow us on Instagram, it is at Benjamin Ueda, at Four Eyes Furniture, and at Modern Builds. We are at Modern Maker Podcast and at Dwell Made as well. I will be putting my mirror project on the Dwell YouTube channel. It's all a part of the Dwell Made series. So if you're not following that, be sure, get on it. You're already falling behind. You should have been there already. So be one of the cool kids and, and, and be a part of the cool kids club. It's Dwell Made. Heck yeah. Yeah. So thanks guys for listening. And we <laughs> hope to see you next time on the Modern Maker Podcast. And thanks to HelloFresh. Yeah. Keep it fresh, guys. Get fresh. Wait, Mike, you got to yell something out now. High energy, go. Ah, bye, everybody. There you go. I definitely (laughs) Now we've all done it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The microphone just shattered there. Yeah. All right. Stop recording.